Have you signed up for the Blue Wire newsletter yet? Well, now is the perfect time. If you sign up, you can win prizes every month. I'm talking prizes like gift cards, free merch, and cold, hard cash. In celebration of American Prodigy's third season, you can win some sick Blue Wire merch. Sign up today and immediately be entered to win. All you have to do is click the link in the description box below for more information. Oh, music's over. All right. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> <your to> another... <laughs> <laughs> Just another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. That's Brian Driscoll. And we got a fun topic for everybody today. Mm-hmm. We are going to talk about spring practice since that is right around the corner. I mean, yeah. March is next week. And yeah, we're spring practice at, starts in March. First practice is on March 17th, which means as of tomorrow, it'll be three weeks away. So what better time to kick off our coverage of spring football and with what we're going to discuss today, you know, so So, it's, uh, it's going to be fun because this is going to be a very interesting spring Vince. Oh, there's no question about it. Very interesting spring. Look, we haven't had a new coach for spring in, in over a decade. Right. So, I mean, that by itself makes things interesting. And then you've got a big turnover on staff and you've got all these different things going on. And so a new quarterback, you know, again, Lots of things going on. So what we're going to talk about today, what are the main objectives for this Notre Dame football team going into the spring? So if we were sitting down with the coaching staff and we said, okay, look, what do we want to get accomplished over the next 15 practices or whatever it is, right? What do we want to have? Not set in stone. We're not talking depth chart necessarily, but like, where do we want to be coming out of spring and going into summer? That's what we're going to talk about. Because it's about laying that foundation, that on-field foundation, right? Like part of the foundation has kind of already started when you look at, you know, what they've done in the weight room and classroom and workouts and stuff like that. But, you know, what's the on-field connection? Because, look, it's taken a while to get this staff put together, which is good. Good things are worth waiting for. I love the staff that they put together. I would have rather him taking the time he took, Coach Freeman referring to, to get this staff than have rushed and gotten a different staff. Right. I mean, that's, that's a thing, but you know, now it's about step one towards establishing who this team is going to be. Exactly. Right. And it's yep. not even going to be the first time the 2022 team is on the field. Cause there's going to be some guys not out there on, on this, yeah. this spring that'll be out there in the fall. So, you know, Notre Dame has to establish an identity. They have to establish a, a connection in the, you know, in, in who this football team is going to be. And Vince, it starts off with the coaches connecting. Yes. No I mean, one. look, Tommy Reese has got a whole new staff around him, right? And there's only one of those guys he's familiar with when it comes to working together. That's Harry Heastan. That was a while back. With. I mean, that, right. I mean, that's not changed. that long ago, well, but I mean, it's, it, but he knows him well is the, is the right. point, right? Like he, he knows what to expect from Harry Heastan on a daily basis is what I'm referring to. And, and so, you know, but, but Dylan McCullough and Chancey Stuckey, these are all guys that obviously Tommy Reese had a big, big role in getting to Notre Dame, but just because you like the guy doesn't mean that you necessarily know what it's like to work with them, right? I mean, those are things that you have to develop. So, the the number one thing for this football team or this this in the spring is just going to be that staff connection. It's just yeah. getting everybody on the coaching staff 
sort of, okay, this is what Marcus Freeman does. This is what he wants. This is how things are going to go. Because in, in, in lead up to the bowl game, there was only so much change Marcus Freeman could bring about. It's right. It's still capping off the season. Sure. Now you really are going to say whoever you, whatever to coach Freeman, whatever you want this team to be starts now. And you've got to make sure that all 10 of your assistants and all the analysts and all the GAs and all the, everybody understands this is who we need to be. I'm right. going to set the tone. I need you guys to back me up, which means you've got to you've got to live it in your meetings. You've got to live it in the weight room. You've got to live it on the practice field. These are the things that we're going to demand. And you know that's that's kind of, and that's going to start, in my opinion, right now. And right. You know, that's step number one. Step number two for me, Vince, is you know it's a culture change, right? And this is truly the first on-field attempt at a culture change. I don't think you can really make a culture change in December leading up to the bowl game. You can change, you know, practice structure. You're going to do more tempo, things like that. But a culture change takes time. It started in January when guys got back from from the break to start their workouts. It's about creating more competition, right? It's about creating a, a sense of getting rid of that entitlement that I think a lot of veteran players have had over the years where, hey, you're a veteran. It's your it's your turn now. You know, but you got to earn it, right? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a part of it too. And we saw you know, a little create, bit of that competition at practice for the bowl games, but again, right. there's only so much that you can instill right. that quickly. And, and it's a bunch of new coaches. And it's competition to me is in two different mm-hmm. things, right? You're that's a great point, because I mean, those were with different coaches and different right. ideas of what the depth chart should look like. To me, competition is twofold. Competition is O line versus D line, and corners versus safeties, and Corn, you know, or excuse me, receivers versus corners and safeties and tight ends versus safeties and running backs versus linebackers. That's not what I, that that's part of it, right? That's a big part of it. That's not it though. It's also has to be about competition within each position group, right? Like, Hey man, just because you started last year, gotcha. just because given, everybody's yeah. this or there or that doesn't mean that you're just walking in. And I think there's been that sense of entitlement for years really. And, it, and this isn't necessarily just, a, this goes back to Charlie Weiss. That was a big problem under Charlie oh, Weiss. It kind of continued under Brian Kelly, not as bad as it was under Charlie Weiss. But it's it's still a sense of, hey, once you kind of get there, you know, you're the guy now. And and right. And that's why I think we've seen some guys maybe not finish their careers on as high a notes as as maybe they should have, because you know, is that fire still there? Right. So I, I want to see a sense of accomplishment in that regard or a sense of competitive competition in that regards as well. I think this spring is going to be about instilling confidence in this football team, you know, and that kind of goes to the culture change as well. This needs to be a team that has legitimate confidence, not the false swagger, you know, the fake confidence, but a team that just really buys into you are, you are as good as anybody. You can beat anybody and you need to go about your business every day like a champion because that's the expectation. And then, and then part of that, it all comes down to the excuses we have seen, play out over the years gone you know like this year at this time a year ago we heard all the excuses about how young they were and right you know, and marcus oh freeman's God. gonna over have over oh yeah and marcus freeman's gonna have every opportunity in the world to make excuses for the spring they're gonna have four scholarship five scholarship receivers including matt salerno right they're gonna be right. down to what three scholarship tight ends in the spring because kane Barong's probably not gonna be full go you know there's gonna be positions where they're not gonna have guys 
And in the past, it's like, you know, well, you know, guys are out. But, hey, no excuses, man. We still got practice. We still got you – know, that's what I want to see. I want to see that no excuses mentality be brought to Notre Dame that that existed so long ago that we haven't seen in a long time. Like, I don't care how many scholarship receivers you have. Go make it work. Right? Because you know better. that would be – that would be – so we got used to at the beginning of the spring or the beginning of the fall hearing narratives already being put out there for us to feast on. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it's a really young team, just kind of how you mentioned that, right? And if it was this year, mm-hmm. it would be, oh, you know, we're so young at wide receiver and we just mm-hmm. don't have the numbers. Right. And it's got Avery end, out and Joe's right. out. I mean, uh, the excuses yeah. would be on the tip of the tongue of the head coach. They just, they just would be, oh, you know, we, we, we don't want to do much with Michael Mayer, and so we're really going to be short on numbers at tight end. And, you know, all, all of these different things, you would hear them. And and it would be a litany of excuses. I, that's what I call them. I call them excuses. Mm-hmm. They, they were, and put up there. And then if they happen to overcome it, well, then we overcame this, this right. huge problem that we had. Right. Or if it's a problem, well, I told you that it was going to be, right. you know. So right. – I'm very interested, and I'm not saying that I'm expecting Marcus Freeman to make excuses, but I'm interested to see how he approaches his first gathering with the media when spring starts. You know what I mean? Like, what are we going to hear? I I want to hear, hey, man, you know, yeah, we're short here, but we're going to go after it. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I don't even want to say, hey, like, oh, we're short here. Like, I feel like, but I feel like like, that's going to be a pointed question from somebody. Like, they're going to be like, well, you're you're short. You know what? Like, I'm not worried about that. We got, we got, we're going to go out there. We're going to compete. We're going to get better every day. I don't, I don't care if we got five receivers or two receivers or one receiver, whatever. You know, that, that we're not, we don't have a game to get ready for. That, 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 that's not an excuse. It's an opportunity for so and so to do this. Five guys. Hey, look, it's great. Yeah, exactly. You know, we know what Avery can do. We know what Joe can do. This is going to be a great opportunity for Jaden and Dion and, and, right. And Lorenzo to go out there and you know I mean that that's that's how that's what I want to hear I don't want to hear right. well you know it's going to be tough and all this kind of stuff so to me that that goes into the culture change and then the final piece to me for the spring Vince is leadership has to emerge and that's from the coaching level which we kind of just talked about but also at the player level sure you know and and who are the guys that kind of step up and say hey look this is this is my team now right and I got right. I got this I want to see who that's going to be because. The thing is, is some of the guys that will end up being leaders in the fall are going to not be practicing in the right. spring. So it, there's only so much Avery Davis, for example, can do when he's not out there practicing. No question. Right? I mean, he, he's going to be there. and He's going to be a leader and, and absolutely a captain again. But, again, that that's a different type of, of, of situation we're talking about. We're talking about who's that leader on the field? Who's going who's gonna to take hold in the huddle? Because Avery's not there. Is it just going to be Jared Patterson? Does somebody else step up? Does Michael Mayer become more of a vocal leader? Or is he going to stay sort of a, which I kind of think he's better at him, a, hey, do as I I do. do. Yeah, right. Which is fine. Not everybody has to be a vocal leader. No question. But who's going to be that guy in the receiver room? Who's going to be that guy in the running back room? Who's going to be that guy quarterback that steps up and says, hey, fellas, I got this. We're good. Let's do this. Defensively, I think it'll be a little bit easier. I think there's more guys like that on defense. Offense is, is is really one of the, the the main questions for me that I look at and say that. But you know we'll kind of get into to more of that sure as we get closer to the spring. But uh, those are those are the team things that I'm really looking forward to seeing as we as we transition to really Marcus Freeman's first football team because that was the, the what we saw in in January one that wasn't Marcus Freeman's first football team that was 
Marcus Freeman finishing Brian Kelly's last football team. He was basically an interim. I mean, he was an interim for all intents and purposes. I mean, right. to finish off that season. Yes, he was the head coach. He was hired. I get all of that. But I, he, it felt like he well, was an interim. Role, to to your point, season. the role is no different than what an interim coach would normally do exactly. in a similar situation. Right? Right. There's only so much. You're not going to completely you're change the You're getting them to the, the finish line. Right. You're, you're getting right. them to the and finish line. that's exactly line. what he said. We're going to finish right. strong. Finish right. strong. Absolutely. And they, they didn't, didn't finish as strong. Well, right? They, yeah, right. he got them the to result. the finish line. I mean, that's right. But they finished, just not the way that necessarily they, they wanted to finish. Yeah, and, and nor did we. Um, but the the leadership point I think is very interesting, Brian. From a from a especially from the offensive side. And I don't know if that's going to yeah. be one of your points that we make moving forward. But I, I wanted to kind of get it out. As yeah, a team, I I, I really like that because there's so many guys that this offense is going to be counting on that maybe they weren't counted on last year. I mean, there's there's going to be guys in new roles, new positions. Um, they may not be a rotation guy anymore. Maybe now they're a starter or whatever the case may be. So. Where is that leadership going to come from? I, I think that that is intriguing. I, I really do. And so some of that has already started with the offseason conditioning and, and the group leaders and things like that. But I want to see it with my own eyes. Like, I want to see who those leaders are going to be. You know right. what I mean? And so that is actually very intriguing to me moving into the spring. Right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's talk offense, Vince. Let's do you that. Know, I, think, I think we look at it. What, what we're going to do here is kind of look at the three things that we think, and we have differences here. We do. We we kind of I did my list, Vince did his list, and we'll you know kind of bring it together and discuss it. But you know, what are the main objectives that we want to see this spring? What are the what, when we look back at the end of spring, what are we hoping that this team got accomplished? Right. On offense. And I, I think that's the that's the the big key. And and for me, to me, there's nothing more important than, than the core. I, I would love to see the quarterback battle decided by the end of spring doesn't have to be it's not going to mean if that doesn't happen the team's going to suck it just means now look and they're going to probably not pick a starter verbally i'm talking about when we're at practice when we're talking to people it's like it's look clear. everybody knows who the quarterback's going to be right right and that's kind of how it was in the end of last spring like you know we heard break oh it's going to go in the fall everybody knew by the end of spring who the quarterback was oh right? jack cone had seized hold of that job and and it was jack cone's job and you know whether it's Drew Pine or look, I'm going to be honest. I, I think it, I think if for, for Notre Dame to be the best team that they can be, 
they need to it needs to be Tyler Buckner. I'm just I think Drew Pine, you can win a lot of games, with Drew Pine. Absolutely. I love Drew Pine. But for Notre Dame to to take that next step and eat a championship, eat a championship. To to, uh, to win a championship, sorry, Tommy Guns. Is I was gonna say I know sticker. exactly what you read. Um <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but for Notre Dame to win a championship, it's gonna I, I think Tyler Buckner needs to be that guy. He's that difference maker. But is he gonna be able to go out there and seize hold of that job? Is he which means you know, yeah, it's fine that you're going to make plays with your legs, but if I'm Notre Dame, I, I, I think you can make two mistakes this spring with with Tyler Buckner. One is you get too wrapped up in what he does with his legs. Yeah. Number two is you remove the legs from the equation so much that you take away what he does best. You have to find that balance. And with him, and I think this is a mistake that they made with Brandon Wimbush going into 2018. They were so focused on developing him as a passer that they took away – yeah. His his running desire, his running ability, his running scheme. Like he, they try to turn him into something that he wasn't, instead of enhancing what he does well, but then also improving the areas where he's got to improve. You know, so obviously for Tyler, it's gonna it's gonna be somewhat natural this spring. Meaning, you know, you're not getting ready for a game, so you don't have to say, "Hey, this is the niche we're going to prepare you for." It's just just go right. run the offense, right? Go do what you do. So you know, for Tyler Buckner, it's going to be about you know making better decisions, cleaning up your technique, being really just consistent on a day-to-day basis. I mean, that's that's going to be the thing for Tyler. If he can be consistent on a daily basis, then I think the talent kind of takes over. I think it's that consistency that right now is is going to be the the big question mark from him, just from drill to drill and practice to practice and that kind of thing. But if they can kind of have an idea of who the quarterback is by the end of spring, then I think you start to see people – you start to see people kind of start to gravitate to that guy, right? And and I think that's something that would be beneficial for this football team going into fall camp. Sure, I, and I feel like they did that with Phil a little bit too. I mean, they they took his legs and his creativity out of his game, and right. he suffered for it, right? Right. Um, and so you're right. I, I think that they need to know who Tyler Buckner is, and they need to embrace what he is. And right. to I know that sounds ridiculous to us because we know we we believe we know who Tyler Buckner is and we've talked right. ad nauseum about or what, what he can brings be. to the table. We know right. what, we know what he can be. Right. And and what that looks like, right? And we've talked about that a bunch. He's not just going to sit in the pocket and pick you apart. Can he do that? Yeah, he can do that, but mm-hmm. to be his best the best version of himself, to be a championship level quarterback, it's more than just that. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, there's certain days where you're probably going to tell them, hey, you know, stay in the pocket, you know, do these right. different things. Right. But there's also going to be days where you don't do that. You know what I mean? And I, I don't need honestly, I think that's the that's interesting. I almost wonder if if it can be it can be detrimental to tell him, hey, stay in the pocket today. Okay. I think what it, it more about is you you design your practice around that stuff. Right. And it's like, hey, we're going to drop back. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to work on our play acts. We're going to work on our RPO game. You know, we're going to work on those aspects of the game. And then, you know, if he takes off running, then you correct it in that, hey, here was your read. Right. You know, like I feel like if you force him into sitting in the pocket, then you're going to force him to get into a mindset of I can't run, I can't run, I can't run. And that's the thing. It's more about, hey, let him do what he does, but make sure that you're designing things. So, like, I'm not running any RPOs with the quarterback draw. Uh, a lot in the spring, uh, some of it, you know, cause it's going to be what you do, but I'm not running a lot of it. Right. Which what that basically means is a lot of times, especially out of spread sets is 
you'll run quick concepts. Quarterback makes a read of the overhang and, you know, got a five-yard outcut. If that defender kind of goes with the outcut, you just tuck it and you run. The line's blocking for a draw, right? So it's basically right. a six-man box. If that guy leaves the box, you you replace. Now if that guy one. stays in, you're banging the outcut or the fade, outside fade, right? I wouldn't run that a ton, you know, but – at the same time, I don't want Tyler to to think like, oh, gee, I have to stay back here. I can't run. It's more about correcting him like, hey, man, okay, nice run, but why'd you go away from this read? Right. right? It's about correct. It's about correcting the, the the decision as opposed to eliminating the thing that, that he does well, because I think if you do that, then one of two things can happen. Number one is you take away that, that aggressiveness as a runner, which I don't think you necessarily want to do. And then number two, once that's back into the mix, he hasn't had to make that decision-making process as much, right. right? And so that's the that's the challenge that you have with a kid like Tyler Buckner because he he is a good thrower. I think he's a more natural thrower than Brandon Wimbush was in 17 and 18. Um, no, Agreed. Brandon was a different kid coming out of high school, but from what Brandon was in 17 and 18. And so I think you need to enhance that as opposed to taking away from this other part. That's not always an easy line to balance. And so that's why I say I wouldn't tell him not to run. I would just correct the read. Well, that's what spring's all about. It's correction and slowing things down and doing things one step at a time. I mean, that's that's what spring is for, because like you said, you're not preparing for a game. And so you you, I mean, yes, you have finite amount of time to work on stuff, but it's still way more spread out than it is with, with a game prep week. Right. And so this is that opportunity to, okay, you can talk through reads and you can talk through mistakes and it's okay. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with right. that. Right. And that's what it's right. for. Right. So I just, that, that's my thing is I don't want them to get into a whole lot of like, there may be times, there may be certain periods, seven on seven. I don't want him thinking about running, No, but anytime they get into a team period, anytime they're doing something like that, I want him to think I can, I can go make a play if I need to, because yeah. that's who he is. You know, uh, so so that'll be the interesting thing is how do they balance that? Because they made a mistake with the way that they prepared Brandon Wimbush going into 2018. They did. And they can't make that same mistake with Tyler Buckner. And I and I know the desires, we got to get him better as a passer. That's fine. Get him better as a passer within the framework of who he is. Right. That's going to be the key for me. What your, what was your number? Your number one had a little bit to do with a uh, little different position group. Yeah, well, and and – it's funny. I, I ranked them one, two, three, but it wasn't necessarily my most important. It well, was just came to my head. My most what's important most is the one we're going to talk about next. And I think we have a similar one. So I'll go with what I was going to say originally. Okay. So it's who's going to be your number two tight end. I, I think that that's yeah. important. And yes, Camberong is not going to be available due to, you know, his, his injury and everything like that. And I, I totally get that, but you still have, you're going to get massive amounts of reps for the three scholarship tight ends that are still on your roster. Mm-hmm. Kevin Bauman, Michael Mayer, Mitchell Evans, right? Those are the three guys that are going to get a massive amount of reps. And it was understood that who was going to be the number two tight end before, right? Mm -hmm. Now that's not the case. So that spot's wide open. And the number two tight end at Notre Dame is incredibly important. They have have shown us that in the past, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. And I'm okay with that, by the way. Oh, and so am I. I'm not not upset about that in any way. I just – you need to figure out who that guy is going to be, right? And is it going to be a timeshare situation? Is it going to be one guy? You know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be set in stone because, again, you don't have Kane right. Barong, you know, in spring practice. And so I, I get that part too. But 
I think that picture needs to be a little bit clearer coming mm-hmm. out of spring going into the fall. Right. I think one thing about this, Vince, that we have to remember is having five receivers and three tight ends isn't as damaging now as it is in the fall. Absolutely. The reason why is you have one team in the in spring. In the fall, you may only have five receivers up with your varsity going through reps. The rest of your guys are down running a scout team. Right. You only may have three or f- three tight ends up with your varsity. I don't know how else to say that. You know, not not the other guys are going to be running scout team. In the spring, it's good on good the whole spring. So you can get by with that, right? So it's not it, – the, the difficulty is for Chancey Stuckey and Jared Parker in drills because what can happen where you can really run a guy down is if you only have five receivers in the drills, normally you have ten. You're going, you're going to like all of a sudden you're just, okay, we're working through these drills real quick, real quick, getting a ton of reps. You're like, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit on that. Like make sure that we're not working. Now right. the nice thing is the technology that Notre Dame uses now, they can start to see like, okay, the last two days, our receiver, you know, a miles GPS trackers. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. Like they've gone down two, three miles an hour, just consistently they've worn out. Right. We're, we're running them a little bit too much. Right. And so those are thing, the things I think that they need to monitor. It's more of the it's more of the, the 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 individual drill periods, making sure that you're not just t- you know you only got five guys. You can't. I mean, right. gosh, there's times coaching coaching you know D three where we'd have ten quarterbacks or eighteen receivers. It's like you're like man, it's like how can I get enough reps for everybody? Well, this is the opposite danger of right exactly. You're getting a million reps for these guys, and you need to balance the desire to maximize the reps for the healthy guys without running them running them down. And so I think that's the thing we have to understand about this is it's not this, it's not as crushing to have five receivers in the spring as it is the fall. It's basically what you're in is for 15 practices. It's just, you're good on good. It's your, it's your varsity. That's it. You just you yeah. eliminated the scout teams, right? Is basically what you've done from a number standpoint. And so I think that's the thing we have to consider. The numbers are not good, but it's not, it's not as bad as it would be exactly. if this was the situation in the fall. Yep. Um, so to your point, I, I think that is that is going to be good for Mitchell Evans and Kevin Bauman because both have a lot to prove. Absolutely. You know, because there's going to be Kane Barong back in the fall and summer. There's going to be Eli Raritan at some point in time early next year. There's going to be Holden State showing up. And if you don't separate yourself and make an impact now. You're going to be forgotten. I mean, are you going to be on the back burner at least? It's a lot easier for the guy yeah. behind you to pass you up when sure. you get to the spring. And, so and from a, a and from a rep standpoint, there are I think three off the top of my head uh, walk on tight ends as well. I mean, so mm-hmm. those some of those second and third team reps, individual drills, yeah, and the individual drills, you're going to have opportunities to get a rest and get a get a sip and all those different things. So it's not like it's just going to be three guys going through all these drills and and operating on all three teams and and all of these different things. So there are guys to take up some of those reps, right? And so. Um, so there is that, but we're talking first team. Who's going to be that second tight end? Because that's essentially a twelfth starter, right? You know, yeah. And and one of the things you can do to kind of help him, him sort of deal with this is one position group that won't be short on numbers is running back. That's true, and I believe Sebo Flemister will be part of the team in the spring. Okay, so I think they Jadarian Price is an early enrollee, so they'll have five running backs. They're going to have as many running backs as receivers. Thanks, Dell. Uh, so uh, you know that's phenomenal that that <laughs> uh, you, you did that. But uh, I think that's with the shortage of tight ends and receivers. I think 
that's an area where during team and seven on seven, you can get a lot of your 20 and 21 personnel work in the spring. So I think that's another, that is a, so Hey, look, this is the whole thing. It's about your mindset. Oh, do you want to piss and moan and cry that you can't run 11 personnel all spring because you don't have enough receivers or you can't run 12 personnel all spring because you have enough tight ends. Or, or you can say, hey, man, look, this is a great chance for us to get some 20, 21 personnel work in, right? You know, because we got five healthy backs. We've got, you know, these kids can do different things. Hey, let's go see what Audric can do. Let's go see what Jadarian can do. Let's go see what, you know, what what Chris Tyree can do. Yeah. Let's go see what Logan's Diggs can do in the past game. And so I think that kind of goes back to that original thing, Vince, of the no excuses, right? It's change the culture. Embrace your current circumstance and say, hey, look, this is what's going to allow us to go be successful and we can really enhance this 2021 personnel package. So that way, when you go into the fall, you right. feel really good about, or you, hey, here's where we are in our 2021 personnel. We feel really good about that. Now, when you get to spring or to summer and fall, now you can say, okay, now let's now let's work our 11 and our 12 into that more. Right. And I think that's how that's how you take advantage of your circuit. It's like this. Hey, this is the hand we're dealt. How do we make the most of it? How do we say we're going to turn this into something awesome? Right. And that to me is one of the things you can do uh, to go kind of go along with that and take some of the pressure off the tight ends and receivers. Yeah. Yep. Being creative. Our number two. Go ahead, Vince. I was just to say being creative. I, I, I love that right. because that's what we think Tommy Reese is going to be really good at is being creative with this offense. Right. And so yep. this is a great opportunity to show that right off the bat in spring practice. So mm-hmm. I, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I think it's exciting. Yep. Number two, we're kind of on the same page for me. Number two is there has to be an, a, a complete overhaul mentally and culturally on the offensive line. And, and to me, I know, I know you kind of said yours like a little bit different ventures was, you know, what you sent to me, you know, was kind of get acclimated to Harry. He stand. I think that's kind of, we're saying the same thing. Yes, absolutely. There needs to be a culture change in the offensive yep. line. It's all that stuff you learned before gone. Yeah. Right. This is about what what we do. I'm not going to criticize Coach Quinn. I'm not going to do that. It's not about that. It's about this is what I do. So I don't want to hear like that was the thing that would drive me nuts when you when I because I mean when you're a young coach and you work at four schools in five years, which you know that, a lot of school kids, a lot of young coaches do that. It's you're always replacing somebody that some kids liked or they did. Well, Coach So and So, I don't I don't care what Coach So and So did. We're going to do what I'm doing. There's a reason right. I'm here. There's a reason that they brought me back. You know what I mean? There's a reason I put however many guys in the first round of the NFL draft. We're going to do it my way. And that's what that's ta- referring to, like, if you're Coach Eastan. And so, to me, the culture change has to be about he's got to learn how to best connect with this group of players. Right. Right. And then how to get them kind of to uh, embrace what he's demanding of them. And then the offensive lineman, the leadership, Jarrett Patterson, Josh Lug, those guys have to be all in on, yes. hey, we're going to do what Coach Eastan says. Because we they have experience with it. him, they have experience with him. Love to, does. To, and so they, the, the younger does. guys Jared are going to look right. But he was right. recruited by by Harry, no. right? No, no, not at all. Jared Patterson was not. Harry was going to get Nicholas Pettit Ferrer from Ohio State. Oh, was that's be right. His fifth okay. And then when he okay. left, Holy and, and then Quinn went out and got Jared Patterson. Okay, okay. who had been committed to Arizona State. Gotcha. So they flipped him from Arizona State. Thank you for the refresher. So, but they're, yeah, they're so going to be no. looking at those older guys, right? And and specifically Lug for how do we respond and how do we react to this new guy that just came in, this mm-hmm. fire and brimstone right. guy who's completely different than our last coach. Right. Yeah. Right. So there has to be a culture change, and it, and it goes both ways. Y- y- your job as a coach is to say, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I do. 
but I've got to find what buttons work best for Jarrett Patterson, what buttons work best for Josh Lug, what buttons work best for Blake Fisher. And, and they then have to learn what, what you like, what you want, what your expectations are as a coach. And it's that coming to that meeting of the mind, so to speak, is going to make this thing work, but it's about changing the culture. It's a, we're going to practice different. We're going to prepare different, like little things. Right. And, and you come to my meeting without a pencil, you're going back to your dorm and you're going to go get a pencil and you're going to miss everything we're doing. And by the way, see me after practice. Right. Uh, little things like everything is like, you know, Alex bars talked about this. It's just, everything had to be perfect with coach. He stand. And, right. and cause you know, when you get to a game, it's not going to be perfect, but if you're always striving for that perfection and the standard is, is about do it right every single time, that's how you get to a game. And you're just, you know, you're, you're just focused on, you got to do your job. It's about developing a culture of we're going to fight. We're going to scrap. We're going to claw. We're going to be backyard brawlers, man. That's who we're going to be you know, and establishing that mindset and that, and if, and if we're not coming off the line and if we're not moving them, you know, three yards off the ball, I'm not going to be happy. Right. And and those are the things you look at and say, it, it, it's about a whole culture change. Like this mindset I mean, last spring, man, this was one of the most embarrassing offensive line performances I've ever seen. I mean, you, I'd see the videos that you'd send me and the video, you know, cause you would record things that yeah. you, cause you were there and I'd see the videos they put out. And it just was like, oh, my gosh. I talked to sources, and they'd be like, the offensive lines. I mean, it's like there's plays where it looks like they're running a screen. Yeah. Like there's just four dudes the, running the through. The defensive like, front was just living in the offensive yeah. backfield. Just and living. You can't, you can't do that. Like, so it's – it's. I want to see the opposite. I want to see the defensive players getting frustrated at the end of spring because they're like they're just not able to make plays because that's how you make each other better. So that was our, our kind of our number two, Vince. And Absolutely. then number three, you know, we, we kind of had a little bit of a, a difference there, Vince. You kind of your, – your focus on number three was more about about the receivers, right? So yeah. you explain kind of yeah, what, absolutely. what you're there. Well, I, it, it's similar to my argument with the tight ends, but from a receiving standpoint, these guys need to get massive reps because it's a brand – it's pretty much a brand-new group of guys uh, that is going to be there. And, yes, Avery Davis is out. He's a veteran. He'll be back eventually uh, in the fall. But the guys that are there, Deion Colsey, Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey looked lost at times last year, right? Because he just wasn't getting the reps that he needed. And, or the instruction, correct. Or the instruction, exactly. Right. And so this is going to be an opportunity. Yeah, you've got a brand new head or a brand new position coach, but this is going to be an opportunity for those guys yeah. to get a ton of reps and get yeah. a ton of experience under their belts. And I think that's going to be so valuable moving into the fall when Joe and Avery come back into the fold and then anybody else that they add, if they do, but this is an opportunity for these young guys to just to get a barrel full of reps and just get comfortable being out there. Because if anybody said that Deion Colsey looked comfortable when he was out there, they're fooling themselves because he didn't look comfortable. But they would, they would, you, people would say that about him when they'd be at practice and it's like one on ones where you can just kind of go play and not right. think about all that stuff. The right. talent is there. Absolutely. We're going to do, we're going to do kind of previews of the different positions leading into the spring. And I can't wait to talk about, about uh, Deion Colsey and this receiver group. Cause like you said, Vince, there's a, there's some opportunities there yes. for them Absolutely. to really show something like, hey, sorry you missed spring, but this, this is mine now. You know, uh, and I want to see Jaden Thomas and I want to see Lorenzo Styles getting first team reps and, you know, yeah. that whole group. This is going to be so beneficial to them. I, I really right. do believe that. And just rep after rep after right. rep, I think is going to be great for them. Right. Exactly. For me, my third thing is, is about identity. Who are you going to be? 
right? And really starting to establish that now. Like, look, if you want to be a team that, that is a physical, you know, run game with speed on the perimeter and, and play actions and RPOs and all that kind of stuff, that's fine. That's not identity to me, right? Like that's scheme. Identity that's to scheme. me is who do we want to be? Do we want to be a fast team or not, right? Uh, that's not about play calling. That's about how you prepare. That's about how you move from drill to drill. That's about how you run your tempo drills. That's about how you run your team drills. It's about how you coach. If you want to be a team that is a, an aggressive attacking on the go team, then you practice that way. If you want to be a, per, a perfection team and you want to be a team where we're going to, you know, perfect, you know, perfect preparation is what we're about, which means if we have to run a play five straight times to do it right, then we're going to do that. There's, Two completely different ways to go about practice, right, Vince? One is Absolutely. just on to the next play. Let's go. Let's go. We'll fix it. We'll fix it in the film room. They both work. There's, right. two, you know what I mean. They're both fine. depends on what your identity wants to be. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Establish that. Who do you want to be? Are you a team that wants to run a million plays and just go fast, or are you a team that says, "Hey, we're fine running sixty-five plays, but we're going to run the heck out of those sixty-five plays. We're going to average about seven and a half yards per play, and we're going to be a super efficient offense." Both of those ways work. I'm fine either way. But establish who you want to be and then prepare that way every single day. And and to me, that, Vince, is the thing that that I look at and say, they they got to figure out who they want to be. Now, part of identity is we're going to be physical and all that. But that's more of, again, that's an identity part. I'm not concerned about – because you can be physical running inside zone. You can be passive running inside zone. It's the mindset that has to be established, Right. And so it's not so much about inside zone as much as it is about, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to just be physical. I don't care if we're running counter, whatever we're doing. We're just going to, we're coming off and we're going to drive you off the ball. We're going to look for somebody in the other jersey and just right. bury them, whatever. Right. You know? Yeah. So those things I look at. And, and again, if you're a team that, if you want to be a team that's about being explosive, then you need to practice that way. You know, if you're a team that's about precision and perfection and efficiency, then you need to practice that way. And I don't always think that this program has practiced in a way that that created an identity. It was always so scheme related under Brian Kelly that it, it wasn't as much about like the 2017 team was the one exception because they were they were forced to do that because right. they were so limited on the perimeter. And so to me, it's, it's, it's not about the scheme. It's not about the X's and O's. That stuff will come. Absolutely. I have no, I have zero concern about Tommy Reese designing plays that are going to work in the fall. Right. It's more about, okay, what kind of mentality are you building to the, to get to that point? Right. So when you go play Ohio State on September 3rd, I have no doubt that Tommy Reese is going to have a play sheet that if, you know, if it, if it works is going to big plays here and scores there and this kind of thing. I have no doubt about that. But if the mindset is right, if the discipline isn't there, if the if the identity hasn't been established to where those kids just this is who we are and we're going to be the great at it, 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 it's about how you prepare, not what you're preparing, right? So it's not about the double post concept. It's not about that. Those things are fine. It's we're going to be about fundamentals. We're going to be about perfection. We're going to be the most disciplined football team. Because here's the thing. If you're not going to be the most talented team on the field every Saturday, then you have to be the smartest. You have to be the most disciplined. You have to be the most fundamentally Absolutely. sound. And that's what was so frustrating is like you complain about how you don't have the playmakers that other right. teams have, right. but then you don't take the fundamentals seriously. 
It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. If you're going to complete, if you don't have the players, then you need to make up for that by being the most precise, perfection oriented fundamentals have to be everything. My receivers have to know everything about being, you know, Per, you know their, their craft they have to be per, per you know they have to be perfectionist when it comes to their craft absolutely right and so it's like you wanted to you wanted to run an offense that was built around we're just going to be better than you but then you would complain about how you're not better than the best teams on your schedule and right. so that's what i want to see coach reese do look you've got the mind for it right like that's the thing coach you've got the mind for it you're a smart dude but you've got to you we you got to get this offense to the point where it's about the little things it's about sure. you know that it's about being able to push them tempo wise, it's about you know f- having an identity of we're going to play this game the right way, and if we get down to it and we can only run five plays for whatever reason, we're going to know how to run those five plays out of seventy five thousand yeah. different formations. Right, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly, because our kids know how to play, and that's the thing that I want to see on offense, Vince. Is that establishing that identity of who you want to be, and then go out there and practice it. I mean. I, I would like to see Notre Dame be able to push the tempo, but I don't think this team needs to be a North Carolina pedal to the metal team. I think this team to me is going to be built more like the Alabama team from 2020. Now I'm not saying they're going to be as good. What I'm referring to is just, you know, the mindset. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Alabama that year did, you know, they, they, you know, they, they ran a lot of plays, but it was, they were super, a uh, super efficient team. Right. And, you just you kind of look at it and you say, man, that's just that's an offense that to me, just you know, it's it's not about the same thing as it is for Clemson and others like LSU in 2015. You know, just ran a million plays, man. It just was they were just going. You know, Ohio State's yeah. always been a real fast team. Clemson's been a real fast team. Alabama's got that is is the team that's got more of that pro style thing. And again, I'm bringing up Alabama not because you're trying to mimic Alabama, but it's like the the Sarkeesian is is more to me more from a a, a family of coaches like a, an offensive family than like say a, a Notre Dame than than a Clemson is you know Clemson's a pure college spread Bama's a pro style spread that's more of like what Notre Dame is right and the reason I'm pointing to Bama is you know you go look at 2000 uh, 2008 19 Right. Alabama was like ranked. I'm trying to look at it here, Vince. They ranked 93rd in total number of plays. Okay. Right. They ranked second in yards per play. (laughs) Right. So it's not so much about how many plays you run. It's about, you know, and, you know, the year before they were 10th in plays and like second in yards per play. And to me, those are the things I look at and say, but then this year, Alabama was first in the nation in total plays, but they weren't as efficient. They only were at 6.5 yards per play. Whereas in 2019, you know, they were, they were, I believe over seven. Yes. 7.9, 2020, they were 7.8. Well, guess what? That's why Alabama's offense wasn't as good this year. They ran a million plays, right? Led the nation in plays this year. Nobody ran more plays in Alabama. They ran over 1100 plays this year, right? But they only averaged 6.5 yards per play. So when Bama got in trouble this year, what was the reason? Their offense couldn't move the ball and score. Right. Right. It's why they almost lost to Florida. It's why they almost lost to LSU. It's why they almost lost to Auburn. And it's what killed them in the championship game. Right. Right. Against Georgia. And and so to me, it's about the efficiency aspect of it. Notre Dame's just not going to be a run a hundred plays a game team. They're not going to be Wake Forest. And I'm okay. Yeah, I don't with see that. that. Yeah, I don't but see that. But the identity happening. has to be established. If we're going to be this way, then you have to be a team that's about fundamentals. It's about playing the game the right way. It's about 
receivers have to – I mean, if you got to take away a half of a team period to focus on technique and fundamentals in the spring, do it. Do it. Because that's so important to this football team. But that's got that's an identity thing. If you don't believe that that's, that's got to be at the core of who you are, then you're not going to practice that way. And that's why I say the spring is about establishing identity. And if they do that, I, I think it's going to benefit greatly. The younger receivers, like you talked about, Vince, they, they – if they can get this 15, 14 practice in the blue goal game to have it pounded into their head, it's not about your talent. It's not about your talent. It's not about your talent, right? That's the thing. It's like when I watch, when I watch the NFL, it's like, man, the best receivers in the NFL right now, man, they are, they are master craftsmen. I mean, I, I watched, I watched the playoffs and, and uh, you know, and, and <laughs> Cooper Cup is a perfect me. example. I know. Yeah. Right. Cooper, look, Cup, Cooper Cup's not, Adams. I mean, it's, yeah, it's all of them. I mean, you know, right. look, the, you can't beat Tyreek Hill. Don't, right. I would not have a single receiver ever watch Tyreek Hill film of how to play the game because he's just you a can't freak. run like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. It's like, he can do things that you can't do. De- watch Devonte Adams. Watch Cooper Cup. You know, watch right. guys like that that don't have elite skill. Because then, if you do have big time skill like a Deion Colsey, like a Lorenzo Styles, like a Brain Lindsay, and you're taught how to play the game, then how unstoppable are you going to be at that point? Exactly. In time? Yep. And and that to me is that's but that's an identity, right? And it goes through every position and and um it, it's it's gonna be fun to see. It's gonna be fun to see. Let's transition over the defense, Vince. All right, sounds good. So the defense is an interesting one because obviously you have a new defensive coordinator. It's got almost a, a flip of what was going on on offense. Offense changed a bunch of position coaches, same offensive coordinator. Defense, they only changed, what, one position coach, and they've got a new defensive coordinator. So it's a little bit of a reverse. But my first one, I think, is similar to yours. It's still defensive coordinator. You've yeah. got to get you, – you've – Al Golden just showed up, and, and spring practice is right around the corner. So it, there, there's going to be a get-to-know-you period with a brand-new defensive coordinator, and Marcus Freeman has made it very clear that – Al Golden is not going to run Marcus Freeman's defense. He's going to right. run Al Golden's defense, which well, it's is, still going to be it's still going to be right. Right, right. The I principles mean, are going to be similar, but yeah, Al Golden's right. going to be in charge of it, right? So right. there, there's still going to be a feeling out period for this defense and, and right. understanding what this new guy is all about and how he's going to run his side of the practices and and all of that. So. The number one thing is Al Golden needs to establish himself as the defensive coordinator, and the guys are going to have to get used to who he is. I think the person that plays the biggest role in that is not Al Golden. My not, my number one key is Al Golden must be the guy. That was my number one. Okay. And, and, of course, obviously Al Golden has to establish himself and all that, but here's the deal. You listen to the defensive players talk about Marcus Freeman. They absolutely love Marcus Freeman. Oh, yes. Like, they love that guy. And if he's constantly around and constantly in meetings on defense and constantly doing this and constantly instructing and all those different things, then they're going to still look at him and Absolutely. not Al Golden. Yes, that's a really and good And so point. I think the person that plays the biggest role in this is going to be Coach Freeman. And it's going to be about backing up what he's what Coach Golden is saying. Now, even if it's – here's the thing. Even if it's like, hey, Coach, this is what – hey, Coach Golden, this is what I want you to do today. It's got to be Al Golden that delivers that message, and then Coach Freeman is supporting that message. You see what I'm saying? So it's kind of playing some mind games, but he needs he need Coach Freeman, and I think he wants this. 
That's why he did what he did during the sprint, during the, the bull prep. He, you know, we heard a lot about how he wasn't near, he was purposely not involved in game planning and all that kind of right. stuff. Cause he wanted the defensive coach to say, I'm the head coach. Now you guys got to run this. And I imagine he's going to do the same thing in the spring. And, he, and, and you it's know gonna, how hard that's going to be for him. Just it's going to be just, incredibly hard. Yeah. Incredibly exactly. hard. Yeah. But it's got to be intentional. It's got to be purposeful. It's got to be a, you know, we're communicating this for, we're on the same page. I got your back coach. That's the thing is, and, and coach golden has to be careful not to, make it look like he's you know i'm going we're not going to do it to coach freeman away which should be easy because coach is still there it's not like he fired the guy right right he's still he's got he's got to make it about him like he did a great job in the press conference of just constantly talking about marcus freeman and it was a great sign of respect which is it was to me it was it was al golden saying hey listen you're the head coach right yeah i get it and and there's there's you know i'm 52 you're 36 right I've been a head coach yeah. for 10 years. You've barely been a coach for 10 years, right? It, it's not that. Look, you're the boss. I came here to work yeah. under you, to work with you. He did a great job of that. Now it's Coach Freeman's turn when it comes to the team to say, hey, that's your guy. you know. And when players come to him during the spring and they're frustrated with something, he's got to say, hey, look, you know, you got to understand coach isn't me. He's not coach. Coach Gold's doing it his it's gonna way. Be different. It's going to be different. Right. You got to understand that. Right. Yeah. You got to, and he's got to have Al Golden's back. And I think he will. I, that's just kind of sure. Marcus Freeman's nature, I think. But to your point, Vince, it's going to be very hard for him. He's going to want to jump in there. But if he is Absolutely. jumping in there, it's got to be times when he's backing up what Al Golden is saying. That's going to be the key. And so uh, that is going to be something that, that is, is, is very going to be very important. Well, it's going to be one of the things that you're going to be able to see when we're watching practice. You're going to be able to see what – like, I'm going to be watching that dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, they just got done with FSA, which is the stretching. Where where, where does uh, Marcus Freeman go when they split Mm -hmm. up offense and defense? You know what I mean? And, like, what is that dynamic between the players and Al Golden and Marcus Freeman for for that matter? You know, what is that dynamic like? And you don't even need to hear what they're saying to see the pointed, you know, effort from both of these guys on how that they're running and going through practices. Right. Number two for me is kind of still along the lines about golden. The linebackers have to play better next year. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of technical improvement that needs to happen, but all, but more importantly for me is who's going to step up and seize hold of those jobs. That's something that's very important. It's wide open. I think defense, Linebacker is a very important part of this defense, right? And does Maris Lufau step up and emerge? Does who 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 sees his hold of the Mike job? Is it going to be JD Bertrand? Is he going to stay at will? Is it going to be Bo Bauer? It, it be, th- those are some so those are some big question marks, right? Does Prince Collie take a big jump this spring? You know, is he a guy that pushes? But sure. whoever it is, I want to see great competition, but I want to see more plays from that group, and that's going to be a big thing. That group being settled is going to be a very big part of this defense. Uh, for me, Vince, what was your what was your number two? I, I had I had defensive back depth, and I know that's a very uh, broad way to go about it. But I'm talking corners and safeties, right? And and mm-hmm. they, I think there needs to be established at least your depth to figure out. Okay, now are we going to you know move somebody? Is is uh, you know Clarence going to move maybe back to to safety? Do you need him there? Uh, can Xavier Watts move over to offense? You know, all of these different things. I think you need to establish, 
okay, these are the guys that we're probably going to be counting on in the fall. Okay. And this is coming out of spring. Now I will preface all of this with, cause I've mentioned Xavier Watts. I want him to be on offense at the start of spring. Right. And I, I'm going to ride doesn't that. Look like right now I know I'm, I'm going to ride that horse till she bucks me, but I'm just saying, right. I still think that you need to have like at, at safety, you need to figure out, okay, what is the depth chart going to look like? Who are mm-hmm. we going to be counting on? What is that one to two deep? Maybe three is going right. to look like, and then, okay, who are these, not leftover. That's not necessarily the right way to put it, but if they're not going to be contributing, are they in the right spot or do we need to move them where they can contribute? Right. And I think that there's so many question marks at the defensive back position, corner Mm -hmm. safety that I think you need to start talking that way. I I think that's kind of a, an important thing to figure out. And I have all the faith in the world in coach Mickens uh, and coach O'Leary, that Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to figure this out, maybe share some players, you know, things along that line. But what does that depth chart look like when they're coming out of spring? I think they need that. That needs to be more in focus to yeah. where it is right now. That kind of leads to my number three, Vince, which is the court more more narrowly. For me, one of the, the biggest things this spring is I want to see a battle at corner. Yeah, right. I, exactly. I don't know. Absolutely. If, I don't know if Cam Hart's going to be out there full time this spring. This, Give me a sneeze, Vince. So just no problem. Give me a second, and just it just like hit me. Um, I think it's past now. But I don't think Cam Hart's going to be. As I was getting around, I don't think Cam Hart's going to be out there like just nonstop. I think he's a guy that is going to be limited during the spring, uh, just because of some work that had to be no no big deal. It was just like, hey, let's do it now. Yeah, be fine. He's established himself though. Like he's the one. He's one of the guys that still needs a lot of work. But absolutely, I I think the spring doesn't isn't necessarily as important for him, but. You know, right. I want to see whoever steps into that spot in the spring really make a lot of plays. I want to see Clarence Lewis get pushed. Here's the deal. I don't care if Clarence Lewis starts in the fall. I just want Clarence Lewis to start because he proved himself to be the best guy after a fierce battle with some ascending young players. If Clarence Lewis is just kind of anointed as the next cornerback or that he's just there, then either A, you did a poor job with your first two recruiting classes if you're yeah. Coach Mickens, and I don't think he did. I think he did right. a really good I- job. Right. But the concern I have is I, I I was a little concerned last year on defense that the defense was a little bit too much like the offense had been in the past, where veterans who kept struggling, veterans, I mean Clarence was just a sophomore, but he still but he played a bunch last year. Corner, right, right. Right. That it just kept being thrown out there and nobody else was getting that shot. Right. And the same thing kept happening, right? Now, the thing about Clarence Lewis is he was a sophomore last year. He's going to get better. And he was never as bad as he looked in that bowl game. It was just a bad game. I mean, he's better than that, but he still has to be better than he was in the previous 12 games, right? Right. And if he's going to start, just fine. I don't have any problem with Clarence Lewis starting. But if he's just starting because the other guys just aren't ready yet, that's a problem for me. And that's a big problem for me. And And – that's I don't know what it means. I don't know if they're not being coached. I don't know if they're just not talented, if they're not a sir. There's a million things it could mean, but it's going to sure. be a problem. But, you know, I want to see Tariq Bracey and I want to see Clarence Lewis get pushed hard to where either A, they get beat out, or B, they're starting because they had to raise their game to a level where you're going to get the quarterback play you need. And so to me, it's not about – like I don't think anyone should be rooting against Clarence Lewis – I don't think anyone should be like, man, I hope he gets beat out. I don't care who plays. I just want whoever to play to be really, really good. Sure. Right? And if that means Clarence Lewis really raises his game up in a big way 
and goes out there and plays the way you hope he can play because he had to hold off Philip Riley and Ryan Barnes and Chance Tucker and Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison. Morrison won't be there in the spring, but we're kind of fast forwarding to the Projecting. fall. Yeah, right. Yeah, then 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 that's fine. If, if those guys all raised their game and played hard and you feel really good about them, but Clarence is still just better, then then that's okay because that means he's going to play better on Saturdays. Right. Uh, but this spring, he's got to really – he's got to become a better player. But I need to see him get challenged. And if he doesn't get challenged, that's a very concerning thing for me. Yeah. That So that was kind of my third thing. Is So the secondary's got to play better than it did last year. I think Brandon Joseph coming into the safety position – with Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts now getting another year of experience is going to make them better. And, and Houston Griffith, we talked about the other day, is just really taking on a big time leadership role in the secondary. Now he has to say, that's all fine and dandy, but now you got to go make some plays, man. Absolutely. You know, but so that's all. But I have a lot more confidence in the safety position just because there's a, some talent there. I, I, way more questions about corner. Sure. And and so to me, that's that's w- those questions need to be somewhat silenced by the end of spring. Yes, you talk about spring objectives. That's kind of what we looked into. Corner is a position where I I don't want to be as concerned about it by the end of spring as I am going into spring. Need more clarity that, there. You need it. Thing. And I yeah. I will say I was a little bit surprised that Coach Mickens didn't throw some other guys out there during the season. I I was I was a little surprised about that. Now that could have come from over his head. I mean, that's definitely a possibility, and I'm not out. I'm not ruling that part out. Mm-hmm. But I was anticipating some other guys getting some opportunities, and it never mm-hmm. happened. And so right. I'm hoping that that happens at least in the spring, right? I mean, let those guys establish themselves in the spring so that you have more clarity moving forward. Right. Your and your third thing, Vince, was interior defensive line. Yeah, right? and and I'll, I'll touch on it real quick as we're running out of a little bit of time. But interior defensive line, I think, is still. Uh, it's an open position, right? I mean, look, Jason Adamiola, super happy that he's back. I mean, he's obviously going to anchor some things. But what does that rotation I, although I don't, look like? I don't expect him to play a bunch during the spring. Right, and there's, there you go. So, Which is going to be good for Notre Dame because you absolutely. know what he is, right? Yeah, exactly. The guys that you know, I'm not as concerned about in the spring. I, I want – this is an op- – spring is an opportunity for guys that we don't know to right. – to to battle and and show guys what show coaches what they can do well, and, right? and who plays where Vince is Riley exactly and that's, three technique is it going to be a big end you nailed you know, it like Howard Cross going to stay at nose tackle where Elson was obsessed with him playing despite being two hundred sixty five pounds is he moved what, to three yeah. technique behind Jason Adamiola with Jacob Lacey stepping in the starting lineup and then you bumping up all you know, of those Gabriel things. Rubio and Aiden Canna I mean there's Jason does, where does Jason Onye play does he stay right. at big end you're going to move him inside let him kind of develop as a three technique. Who backs up Isaiah Foskey? The, to me, like just D line wise, like that's that's the big that's the reason D line for me is not really a focus because I think for me the spring for the D line is just figuring out who fits best where. Right, that, absolutely, that's the thing for me. But yeah. to your point, I think along the interior, you need to start to see some younger guys really establish themselves as like, hey, I'm ready to go. You need to see Jacob Lacey. Okay, I had my surgery. I had a year to recover from it. I lost some weight. I'm putting that weight back on. Now it's yeah. time for me to go do what I know I can do, right? He's got to show it, right? Because if he does that, then that makes you more flexible with Howard Cross. He doesn't have to stay at nose. Right. You need Aiden Kiana Ana to have a big spring. You need Gabriel Rubio to have a big spring. You need those young guys to say, hey, look, y'all, we got this. We can play too. And yes. then, then that allows you to kind of, hey, look, we're comfortable with where we are inside. We can move Riley Mills out to big end. 
right? Um, you know, we 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 are we really like the two young nose tackles. We're going to move Gabriel to nose tackle. Got Aid Count on a nose tackle. We can play Howard Cross in more of a three technique where his game is better suited. So I think all those things are important. But to your point, Vince, the interior you, your 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 specific one was the interior D line depth is in focus, right? And so it's not like we know what Jason can do. We know what we know what Jake. You know, we it's what about the rest of those guys? Exactly. Because now they, that Kurt Heinish is gone, right? And there it is, right? And and so you and again, you know what you get with with Jason, and so we know there's talent there. Like I. My 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 curiosity and my objective, right, is not about the talent level. It's about where they fit mm-hmm. and what that right. rotation could potentially look like. Because again, there's going to be more three front potentially, right? There's going to be four front, and so what does that look like? Are you going to move guys outside to inside? You know, during the games, like what does that look like? Because you've right. got a ton of talent on the defensive line, a right. ton of talent, and you can move guys around. So I would like to see that in focus a little bit more. You know, right. coming out of spring for sure. Yep. All right, Sean S with a super chat for get editor. IB wants me to make wants me once makes me want to move from Los Angeles to South Bend and get season tickets. Well, yeah, there's wow. a million reasons you should move out of Los Angeles, and, <laughs> and the cost of living here is way better than it is there. Uh, I just don't know where you work. <laughs> Not even close. I'd be living in you a know? cardboard box if yeah. I lived in LA, and there's no yeah. question about that. Yeah. So, but no, we appreciate that. We appreciate that very much, Sean. Appreciate the super chat very much. So, Vince, that's going to do it for today's show, man. Why don't you take us out of here? Absolutely. Well, thank everybody for joining us on our wonderful Thursday here at Irish Breakdown. Make sure that you like, hit that like button. Somebody said that we've got over 300 people watching, only 65 likes. Hit that like button, everybody. Come on now. Help us out a little bit. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell because, obviously, Brian and Ryan, they have their night show on Wednesday with recruiting. By the way, everybody – Go check out that show that they did last night because they broke down the quarterback position from a recruiting standpoint, and it's gold. It's it's literal gold, people. So please go check out that show that was on last night. But uh, share this with your family and friends. Really appreciate it. If you're listening to us on the podcast, go ahead and give us a five-star review. Yeah, leave us a comment or two. I, I like reading those every now and again. So go ahead and leave us a comment, and then make sure you subscribe there as well and share with your family and friends. But for Brian, I'm Vince. Thanks for listening to the Irish Breakdown Podcast, and we will talk to you tomorrow because tomorrow, folks, is the Friday free-for-all mailbag. Best day of the week, people. Let's go.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.